Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Hey, 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 Emily, how are you today? Hey, 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 Michelle. I'm I'm awesome. I'm feeling great. I'm excited to be here. I'm loving this new season we're in. Yeah. I'm excited about our guests. Yeah, yeah. And um, our wine, and yeah, I'm doing well. Good, good. How about you? Well, I'm glad to be here today. I'm glad we're in the studio, mm-hmm. um, because let me tell you, if we were trying to do it remotely, it would not have happened. Mm-mm. I have been suffering under minimal internet. Oh. Minimal, like 2.0 kilobits per second. I mean, you need five megabits per second to get the minimum for Netflix. Okay. So there's like no internet at the house. And I was on on the phone with Charter Spectrum. I know we have lots of listeners oh, out yeah. there. <laughs> right. Uh, with them since 9.15 yesterday morning. Oh, my god! And it wasn't until like 2.30 they finally acknowledged, yeah, there's some signal issues. So um, we have to have a technician come out Thursday. Oh. So today's Monday. Yesterday was Sunday. Yes. And then we still have really oh. crappy internet. And I said, you know, I have teenage boys live in my house that, you know, like to watch TV and also play PlayStation. And mm-hmm. you're going to tell them, I have to tell them four days, right. four days. And I'm like, well, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So I'm super glad that yeah. A, everybody's healthy and we are in the big studio because mm-hmm. we have a fantastic guest with us today mm-hmm. and that uh, we're not uh, dependent upon my internet yeah. to make this happen. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Well, you definitely deserve a drink after that experience. We I, all know I, what it's like getting stuck in those customer service Well, you know, and when you have nothing to distract you, no television, mm-hmm. um, other than watching something tiny on your phone, what can you do but drink? Right. Yeah. Right? I know. So might right? as well record a podcast. Might as well. Yeah. Know, that's what we're doing. So That's yeah. right. So um, I'm, I think we should talk about our guest because our guest that on. definitely inspired the wine choice for today. Okay. All right. So I'm so excited. Oh, my God. I have a girl crush. <laughs> little fan, little yes, fan girl going yes, on right now. Yes, that's right. So we have Tanina Saputo. Hello. Yay. Yay. So <laughs> for... I mean, I'm sure everybody knows who she is, but if you don't know who she is, she's a complete badass musician, uh, jazz vocalist, singer-songwriter, really kind of jazz meets soul meets a little bit of world in there, right? Yeah. Uh, You know, studied at Berkeley, has given a TED Talk, like just an all-around amazing woman. Um, She's on Barack Obama's playlist. Yes. I mean- That's right. Barack Obama knows who Tanina is. Mm-hmm. So all of you, all of our listeners and clitorati out there, mm-hmm. you now know who Tanina is. <laughs> so uh, go to Spotify, go to iTunes, download, um, follow her. She uh, deserves to be known uh, mm-hmm. internationally because she's amazing. Well, her music you, is amazing. you are known you. internationally. You, you've, um, Yeah, I yeah. have my countries that know me more than others. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so yeah. I have a huge following in Spain and Mexico. Those are my, my two countries outside of the U.S. 
Now, so, do you have family in those areas, or I don't have any family. Is it no. Just a lust for life that got you there, and yeah, I don't have any family in Mexico or Spain. Uh, I studied abroad in Spain, though. Okay, so I kind of have right. like a group of friends there that really support me and share my stuff, and I'm super fortunate to have them. You know, whenever we go there. Oh my gosh, well, let yeah. tell our listeners how we first saw you. Um, well, mm-hmm. I first saw you. You have, of course, were mm-hmm. already uh, familiar. It was a couple of years ago when the Kranzberg was doing a sort of like a, a, a smattering of acts. Of the and, talent in the area. And there the was area. the New Line mm-hmm. Theater was doing something. You performed mm-hmm. um, and then uh, like others. But you like totally stood out. And I was like... Um, Emily, <laughs> we have to have her on our show. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward like a year later, we're at the TED Talk, St. Louis oh, Gateway right. and yeah. Gateway Arch. That was such a great event. And oh, you're performing again. And we're like, this is, we can't. We, it's like, a we, sign. we have to, we have to um, have her on the show. We, yeah. You know, if we, if we go a third time when we're out and performing <laughs> and we haven't reached out. And so we did. Or Emily did one late night after mm-hmm. a bottle of wine. You're right. Little, of like a little courage. A little courage, you know. Yeah. And uh, you said yes. And we're we, we were, were doing forward. a happy dance. We were jumping yeah. up and down. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I was <laughs> honored. I was so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. So you have a really interesting background, um, a nice melange of heritage in your in your family, um, and which is what inspired our wine. So I want to talk about the Yay. wine part, and then we'll mm-hmm. just dive into all that is you. Um, so uh, you have a Sicilian background. My mother, on my mother's side. Yeah. So it matters because it's the woman, you know, so it's <laughs> mm-hmm. important. Absolutely. So we, you know, we shared with Jason, our friend at the Wine Merchant, um, some of your videos and, you know, I shared your wine preferences and that you had this Italian background or partial Italian background. And he selected this for us. So this is um, Etna Bianco, uh, La Sabi. I'm terrible at Italian pronunciations. Are you good at Italian pronunciations? <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you want to say this for <laughs> let's, us? Let's see what you we got here. You can read the label. Yeah. Le Sabie de Etna. Okay. Le de Etna. Okay, that's way better than I was going to do it. So um, this is a 2019. It's white. I'm finding that it has some nice effervescence on it. Like there's these tiny little bubbles in there, which was really surprising. This color is beautiful. It's this Mm -hmm. really light pale yellow. So pretty. And on the nose right away, I get salinity. I'm getting some wet stone, some peach, pear, apple, apricot, Mm. citrus notes of lemon and grapefruit. It's pretty fabulous. It's fantastic. Most of that comes through on the palate, I think, too. What do you think? Mm. Well, when I get my nose out of the glass because it's Mm -hmm. so tasty. I mean, the aroma is Mm. phenomenal. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. sure what Jason sells this for. I know it retails anywhere from like 18 to 24, depending on where you're buying it. It's but so light and smooth. It is. It's mm-hmm. very fresh. It's easy to drink lots of it. Yeah, I know, which yeah. is why we brought up a, second, a second bottle, bottle to tap into <laughs> just in case this one goes a little quickly because everybody's thirsty, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're feeling it. We're feeling I know. The need. We're, we're celebrating, you know, this is a special yeah. occasion. So, um, so when I think about when I drink this wine and the image that comes to my head, guys, literally, it's sort of like being free in a meadow. So, Ooh. like, um, sort of. 
prancing I through yeah. with minimal, maybe like a sundress or mm. a slip. A slip. Yes, oh, a, slip, a slip. A Fil- slip. Silky uh, yeah, satin. Just sort of like. Uh, without a care in the world, and mm-hmm. so you would have panties that match that. Okay, so <laughs> very. It's a very. It is a goddess moment. Goddess. Goddess moment. Yes. It's, that's what I. That's what I. <laughs> that's what I saw when I, I uh, when I was drinking it. So okay. um, it's your. It's your. You know, fancy free. I love it. Barefoot. Oh, absolutely. And of course, there's no sticks or stones. Oh, or bugs. bugs. Right, right. And the the temperature is perfect, so there's no Mm -hmm. sweating. There's no sweating. (laughs) I got a full face on. (laughs) I'm not sweating off. (laughs) Exactly. So um, that's what you're going to get when you drink the uh, The uh, Le Sabier Deletna. Deletna. Wow. I think it's lovely. So what are your thoughts? What are your tasting notes? I wish I was more, you know, well-versed in my wines. But I'm getting, I can paint a picture for mm-hmm. you, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm getting, I'm on the beach. The Adriatic Sea is right there. I'm surrounded by beautiful Italian men mm-hmm. um, that aren't toxic. And we're just, <laughs> that's a good we're clarification. Just out in the sun. I'm being fed grapes. Ooh. People are carrying me to the beach. You know, they have a ring around me so I don't get attacked by any sharks. It's just, mm. it's just very, very, very smooth, very sweet, very relaxed. And then I can get lit later on with okay. a couple more bottles. Of these. Yeah, this it's very light. It'll yeah. take, it'll take a, a few bottles, I think. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a nice picture. I'm curious about the description of you've got a ring around you so you don't get attacked by sharks. Like, <laughs> is this is this a fear of yours? Are you like every time you go into the ocean? So, are you like- yes, actually. So I was on tour a year ago. From today in uh, Italy, in oh my god, what was it called? In Pescara, Italy. So yeah, it's it's on the Adriatic Sea, and so one night we just got super drunk, my band and I, and we just went in the beach. We took off all of our clothes. We're skinny dipping in the Adriatic Sea, and um, my saxophonist cut his. No. Leg oh. on the rock. So we swam to these rocks. We were like, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Because we're and, drunk and American. <laughs> an American in Italy. What else are we going to do? The water is calling us. No. So, yeah. We swam to these rocks. He cut his whole entire leg. To this day, he has the ugliest. It's not ugly, but it's a nasty, nasty uh, scar that really hurt him. Um, but yeah, and he was screaming, splashing. We're like, shut up. And so, and then we obviously made it back to shore safely. But after that, you know, I probably like a couple months ago, I was like, let me like make sure there was like no sharks in the water. You know, just make sure. (laughs) Because like my grandparents always told me there's no sharks in the Mediterranean. There's no sharks in the, in the seas around Europe and stuff. I was like, Okay. Um, but yeah, I looked that up a month ago and tell me why I saw like there was over 40 different species of deadly sharks. There was an attack here in 2018. Wow. Oh. In the same sea. Oh my gosh. Where the person did not survive. 
And they weren't wow. even bleeding profusely. And they from- weren't bleeding or <laughs> screaming, thrashing the water, being all drunk and American. Um, the, the American moniker on that, I'm sure, made it like even more attractive for the shark. Absolutely. They're like, yeah, absolutely. They never bloody seen that American. Before. So, um, so I want to say, like, I'm a survivor, and <laughs> I should have been interviewed for this week's Shark Week. Shark yeah, week. when sharks attack. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I uh, lived a few years in Hawaii. Oh my goodness. Um, when I was growing up, my, and uh, like late seventies, so but Jaws came out Mm-mm. when we were living in Hawaii, and um, I remember being afraid to get in the swimming pool because I was for certain that the shark would swim underneath the island and then come up through oh the drain. My- <laughs> It took a while before I was like, yeah, that's not really possible. I mean, I think it's logical. I used to have the same thing with bath, the bathtub in Missouri. <laughs> and the so shark would I, like swim underneath and yes, come up to the like drain. A leopard seal. I had a thing with leopard seals back in the day as well. Are they uh, predatory? Yeah. I didn't know. They're that. like, they're the scariest things. They <laughs> live in. Antarctica, so we're never okay. going to see. We're never going to see each other. We don't have any at like the, the Arctic. The yeah, they like to eat um, penguins and oh. all those things. But like, you think they're a cute little seal, but then they open their mouth. It's frightening. <laughs> it's toxic. It's frightening. It's like in Happy Feet. I don't know if you've seen Happy Feet. Oh but yeah, that thing in Happy Feet with the okay. Yeah. Hmm. And you have Quite any pretty. shark scares or or or? or <laughs> Childhood myths about sharks? No, no. Maria wasn't I'm, big on sharks. I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with with water. I'm, I'm like, That's you know, I, I am. I, you know, the ocean. I think is a little terrifying just because it is so vast, and mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I do like kind of prancing, to use your word from earlier, around or gallivanting around on mm-hmm. a, on a beach. But it does spook me how powerful the waves are and. That kind of thing. And you can't I, see below. I, I do remember one time snorkeling off of, um, uh, you know, off of Key West out, you know, out, out in the ocean there. And, um, you know, I got a little spooked because we were just swimming around and kind of like, kind of like your friends, just woohoo, mm-hmm. we're having fun. And I look down and I see a whole school of barracuda, cool. which those are spooky looking. And um, that was about them. That, <laughs> that made me get out of the water quickly. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have any particular watery hang-ups per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We would uh, one of the other things we did in Hawaii. We would go. Uh, my parents learned to sail, so we would go mm. out into Kaneohe Bay. This is on the island of Oahu, and we would sail on um, weekends mm-hmm. and. Uh, we, my parents, we also would pick up coconuts out of the water, you know, so like we'd see the coconut and then we'd crack open and we'd eat that in the, in the sailboat. And, uh, what was really fun is when the dad would tilt the sailboat and our legs were hanging out and, you know, in the water and Mm -hmm. it was going really fast. And, um, one, one year, um, my cousins were visiting up from, you know, over from Alabama and our legs were in the water and we're like, dad, there's, or, you know, there's a coconut over there. Let's get close to my dad steers the boat or sails it over as we get closer. My dad goes, no, kids, that's not a coconut. That's a hammerhead shark. Oh, my and God. Our, oh no, our God. feet were back inside the boat. Yes. In the middle. Okay, we're ready to go. We're ready to go back to the back to the dock now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it uh, sort of just changed the uh, our, our feelings for the rest of the day. Oh, but, my God, yeah. yeah. I mean, it didn't get us, obviously. I'm sitting here. <laughs> right. I have both of my feet. Yeah, you all know. your limbs are intact. All my limbs are intact, you know, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, so that was uh, you know some good memories mm-hmm. of um, 
So you were touring in Italy. Mm -hmm. Um, Was that your first time touring through there? Or is this like a regular part of when you're on tour, do you hit Italy often? How did that feel going to the country that you have heritage in? Yeah, so I had been to Italy a couple of times. Um, My mom's from Sicily, so she doesn't really... She won't say that she's Italian. Yeah, right. She doesn't say that. There's yeah. A so, there. um, which I understand because you know she's she's 69, and so like she was raised during the time like where they had a dialect and like anti bilingual laws in America too. So it's and it's very mm. different like um, the discrimination against Sicilians versus Italians. They look different. You know, they're darker. All those things. So it's like very. It's very. Um, it's an identity thing for her because it is her identity. But. Um, yeah, I. When I did never, she come to the United States? So my grandparents are from there. Oh, your grandparents. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but so yeah, I never really spent time in Italy, the the mainland. I've only been to Sicily, and that was great because the first time I went there, it was actually with my mom and my brother. So it was super special. Um, and you know, we had the chance to go all over the island and visit different cathedrals, too, because my mom's super Catholic. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was important to her. There's and, a lot of them there. Yeah. yeah there's there's quite, quite a few. Yeah. I don't know why. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was super special. But I had never gone to the north, mm-hmm. so in the north of Rome um, mm, okay. and east um, as well. So that was super special. And every time I go there, it's a new city. So nice. I'm super fortunate that, you know, I keep – getting uh, asked to come back but Mm -hmm. so Italy's regular Spain's regular um and those are my two countries in Europe so when COVID kind of started coming down you know it was definitely in the world news you know in Italy it was very strong right before it hit here in the Mm -hmm. United States um you know did you have family that were affected by it and were you concerned for all the people you no, know? No, I actually don't don't have any family that's living mm. anymore over there, um, and so, not because of COVID. And not because I'm of sorry. COVID. No, no, no. <laughs> that's a terrible joke. That's a terrible joke. No. Sorry, <laughs> and it's not because of Miss Rona. Um, but I have several friends that are there still, mm-hmm. and um, they were, you know, telling me. I don't know when was that? Like April. Mm-hmm. And it was really bad, like seeing just like military vehicles transporting body bags. Oh my gosh, like, yeah. It's crazy. And my friend was over there telling me, he was like, this is the worst time of my life. I, I've never felt anything like this. And I was like, I'm sure it's going to be okay. Like mm-hmm. thinking that, you know, because yeah. I mean, our leaders are telling us that it's not going to come here anytime soon or that it's like going to go away. Right. You know, so I'm like, it's going to be okay. Like, I'm sure you're going to be fine and everything. And now I completely empathize with him a hundred percent. And my mom is a, is a nurse. Um, She's a registered nurse and she's taking care of uh, COVID patients right now. So Mm. it's like, it's harder because she's also in that demographic, you know, she's 69 and you know, She's so there's always an underlying concern or worry oh. for her. Yeah. yeah. And um and without adequate PPE for right. healthcare workers, yeah. it's um super scary. Mm-hmm. So um I'm just happy like things are looking up 
over there right now because they were so hard hit mm-hmm. and um, they can breathe a little bit. Yeah. They also were much more severe on their quarantining than what we've done here. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I have to share, you know, I was astounded to learn. I, you know, I was in um, Atlanta not too long ago. And of course, it's a real problem there. Mm-hmm. And I was just astounded at the, the number of people that basically said that it's a hoax, that, you know, that, you know, it's a political issue. It's not real. And I'm just like, you know, I actually know people that have died. Like, Mm. pretty sure this is not a hoax. Mm. Like, you know, it just is amazing to me how when it's convenient for a certain political party to say that it's a, it's a, it's a hoax, that's one argument. Um, and then, you know, it's things like, oh, we're going to tamper with U.S. post office to make voting more difficult for mail-in ballots because we're afraid of the impact of those ballots. So it's like there's very clearly a, f- a fear about the impact of COVID and people not being able to, you know, uh, go about this process the right way. It's just, I feel like these arguments are coming out of both sides of the mouth, you know, when it's convenient for it to be a massive problem, we need to postpone the election because COVID is happening. They'll say that. And then it's like, oh, okay, we're not going to postpone the election. Well, then let's shut down. Like, let's make mail-in ballots more challenging. You know, they're trying to make everything more challenging yeah. when it comes to the people's vote. And it's funny because he's like telling on himself. You know what I mean? Right. You know, he's basically telling on himself, and he's obviously intimidated. Um, but he's also always said out out loud what his intentions are, mm-hmm. and he follows through with them, and he projects, and mm-hmm. he's not held accountable for anything. Yeah. So he, he's not afraid of telling you exactly his oh, plans. Oh, he's, he's outright said. Yeah. He is pulling these sorting machines, 674 of them now, from the post yeah. office, these high-volume um, sorting machines, polling them to make the voting process more difficult when it comes to mail-in. But he literally said it. Yeah, it's um, it's not. Um, I'm I'm afraid. I'm mm-hmm. de- de- definitely afraid of the tactics and this this the lengths that they will go mm-hmm. to maintain. To, to interfere, to to interfere, or to try to remain in power, even if they are voted out. I mm-hmm. mean, we need to look at the country of Belarus and how mm. that whole country has come and 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 protest against their authoritarian mm. leader. And uh, we need to take inspiration, absolutely, from them. Uh, we need to we need to take to the streets and stay in the streets mm-hmm. um, to keep the pressure on. And we need to support the Democratic, um, pre- you know, Biden and and Her- mm-hmm. and Kamala. Even if that Aren't wasn't you your excited about if that Kamala? wasn't your first per- your first choice. I'm you can't not it. vote because yeah. if you I don't wish, vote, I you know. I wish that I was excited. You know about this ticket. I you're really, not. No, I'm not at all. Why? Um, because just like the, <laughs> just the ultimate like cognitive decline of Joe Biden makes me very worried. I mean, obviously Trump is like Trump has no cognitive, right? Right. I mean, they're both senile, you know. But yeah. just like you know, I think one versus the other, and I hate to say it 
like I feel like Trump could, you know, stand on a stage longer and like spew whatever is going to make his audience, you know, agree with him longer than Biden and like be more um, direct with what he's saying versus I don't feel like Biden has that ability. Um, And, you know, I just like, I wish I could be happy for the first vice president uh, black female mm-hmm. vice president, you know, I am happy because representation does matter. And I am, I'm happy that, you know, young girls and, and boys will see that, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be, you know, our first female vice president and our first black, but I just don't, I wish I was cool with her record. I wish I was, mm. I well, was cool with Biden's record and not just like the restoration package from like, Barack Obama. Well, yeah, I, I I know that there's a I know that that is something that people say and and are concerned about. We just have to remember that I don't believe that Biden or Kamala are going to actively try to kill us. Well, I don't think they're true? actively going to put separate Deny families at the border. <laughs> right, right. You know, they're right, not going to like vast you know, so like differences. They are right. not, you know, they they are not going to uh, maneuver uh, organizations so that we find we wake up without mm-hmm. any without any rights. Withdraw from the world. When they're not right. going to withdraw, they will actually <laughs> right. yeah. you know, will regain some credibility. But what we have to do is, because of all the strides that we have made in our protests and our demonstrations, is we have to keep that pressure on exactly them. to actually vote. So and also yeah. so that those changes that we want, like universal health care, uh, uh, was it basic um, universal basic income. Mm-hmm. Um, Free education, you know. I mean, if we can, we can spend. Uh, the The U.S. government can create the money wherever they want to create mm-hmm. the money, and um, we have to keep that pressure on because we have a chance now. We have a chance because everything is so fucked up and mm-hmm. so disrupted um, that we can remake ourselves in the type of society we want to have. Right. So, yeah, they may not be somebody's ideal, mm-hmm. but you have to remember they're not actively trying to kill you. Put it in a bigger perspective. Bigger perspective. Right? And, you know, if he doesn't, if, if Biden, you know, because of his age, doesn't make, out, make it out four years, I'm, I'm very comfortable with um, uh, uh, Kamala's mm-hmm. intelligence. I'm more comfortable with her, I would say, being the, you know, president yeah. than, mm. than Joe. Mm. And I'm confident saying that. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, I know that she was my first choice in the field of 27. Right. Um, and so, and I was sad yeah. that I didn't get a chance to vote for her because right. she had withdrawn. Yeah. And then the mm. next one withdrew. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I, I all withdrew before it came to Missouri's <laughs> primary. And I was like, I can't even <laughs> vote for them. Mm-hmm. But I have, I mean, she made Brett Kavanaugh cry. She is. That's love, amazing. Okay, well, that's what I do love about Kamala. When that bitch is in the courtroom with these rapists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With these just pieces of garbage. Yeah. She's giving it to them. Yeah. She's well, not holding back. Or even the attorney general. Prosecutor. You know? I mean, she's a great prosecutor. That's what she does. She yeah. holds people accountable. And, and um, is that why she was called a nasty woman? Of course. Yeah. I, I, nasty woman is what I'm going to get tattooed. Also, it's uh, yeah. on my door. It's like <laughs> yeah. I have a hanger that says nasty woman. 
Um, because ever since that debate with Hillary yeah. and um and Don, it was just Oh my God, that's it. Yeah. That's the motto. I'm nasty woman. I loved your meme that you posted the other day, Michelle. And it was it was this little girl talking to her mother and it was like, Mommy, what's a nasty woman? Oh yes, I saw that. I saw yeah. that. It was great. And it's like, oh, it's it means we're getting shit done. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. getting shit dead. Yeah. yeah. So well, I hate him so much. I, like our listeners know that I hate him. Mm-hmm as much and um and they still listen to us so that's great <laughs> uh you know the suburban housewives of the of the nation you know still listen to us um but uh, i i just think that we can't we cannot take it for granted and a vote for anybody but biden is a vote for don yeah. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, if you're okay with uh, children in cages at the borders and police roaming our streets and and uh, capturing people off the side and you know uh, taking them way, oh away God. to the be unknown, if you're if you're okay with tear you know, tear gas protesters tear gas because you're you know holding a sign that says you know the you know the First Amendment right. If you're okay with, you know, 160,000 people dying unnecessarily right. from mm-hmm. a virus that we saw, we saw, we had ample warning it was coming. And being racist about it, what the fuck? Exactly. Like, oh, it's only like, good. It's only going to hit the or or their strategy was well. It's only in the blue cities right now, so let right. them die. How about the harboring of all the PPE? That they like. That's what's like right? pissing me off. And, yeah. and it's not like we haven't been doing this now for five months. You would think that we would have caught up on our supply. We're the wealthiest country in this bitch on and, the planet. And like the. Are we? The people. That, yeah. Are we still? I don't know. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we Try might not we be have, once he's gone because yeah. he he manages to bankrupt anything that he touches. Well, yeah, but no, we have the 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 wealth gap. You know, is mm-hmm. so disproportionate, and like the amount of billionaires that are in California. You know, like the fact that in our in our country alone, like a couple of billionaires could solve homelessness yeah. for the entire nation. Like China has an awful lot of billionaires. I don't know the the Chinese mm. statistics. A lot. I'm sure they. I'm sure they do. Yeah, I mean they have some astounding wealth there. Yeah, and I think Europe, Europe, mm-hmm. China, and, and the United States have the have the highest. There's definitely projections numbers. about just from a retail perspective, like China, China, way beyond um, America spending. Yeah, you know. So I don't know the. Pure statistics either, uh, yeah. but you know, you're right where there's plenty of wealth here, regardless of where we are we first or second or whatever. There's well, plenty of wealth. Our here system to- has been designed to um on the backs of poor people mm-hmm. and to and to continue to oppress mm-hmm. poor people um and to insulate the wealth from yeah. from that. And we have a chance to to yeah. change that, hopefully. But you know, I don't want us to get all down. And, I know. And sad. I say on that, uh, yeah. on that last note, I went to court today for the first time ever. I went to what? Zoom court. How yeah, did that, it was how hilarious. Did that go? It was. Oh were you on the jury? <laughs> no, I was in court. Like I was getting a ticket. Did you no, have a it was ticket? no, it was from a medical bill. Like in college, oh, okay. They took in college. It and they still I totally, took it. I like didn't even like think about it. You know, I had like 
blood work's on. I had like an x-ray. And, and stuff. that's the other thing. It's like the, <sighs> they took you to court. The, the court. hospital industry, the medical wow, industry seriously. took you to court to mm-hmm. get their money. No, yeah. And so like I owed them like $700, which I can pay now. But on top of that, they're charging me for their court fees, their legal fees, their attorney fees. All like the time on oh, Zoom. Come yeah. On. So now I owe them like fourteen hundred dollars. And so I went in that bitch. I was like, oh no, honey. This is what we're not gonna do. I'm not gonna pay this six hundred dollar extra fee of collection of right. fees that you're I- charging me. And so yeah, I have to like send a follow-up email. But yeah, it was crazy. They had like all these people like in the Zoom. Yeah, meeting the, in the courtroom, like so people for different things, and it, I guess I was like in the hospital group because like they kept calling people's names, like St. Luke's, um, you know, Barnes, like a Salute Hospital suing this person. It was like so fucking sad, but all I could do was laugh because there was one guy who was like keeping me very entertained because he had his video on. I don't think he knew he had his video on. He was smoking a blunt in his car, <laughs> listening to Young Thug. I was living, but he. I think like. We had a moment because he was keeping me super entertained, but I wore my pajamas on the bottom and then yeah. like a nice yes. like jacket and business a attire on top. Mm-hmm. They had no idea. Yeah, but it was pretty funny. Yeah, the Zoom bullet. It was going so on. funny and just like a waste of my time and everyone's time. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's just it, anyways. It just, like you said poor people making money off of poor people. They I was are. like, yeah, me. Like in and college, think, like having no money to pay for this extra that y'all ordered me to get. Right. That right. You didn't, I didn't know how it worked, you know, back in, back then. Right. Like I had to pay for this. You ordered me to get an x-ray though. Yeah. So well, I, like, mm-hmm. I, my, I have a, I have a statement that I said to uh, collections uh, when I was going through my cancer treatment. So I was mm-hmm. not like, I had maybe four treatments in, I had to do 12 and they called me on a Saturday and they said, um, you are you're letting your bill get out of hand, and I said, "But what do you mean out of hand? You're the one that set the <laughs> prices, and I'm only doing what the doctor said." Right, and they're like, "Yeah, but you know your bill is getting too high," and um, and I said, "So you're just trying to kill me, or are you afraid?" Yeah, I said, "You're afraid your treatment's not going to work, and you want your money now." And uh, yeah, so they I sent, don't understand. They I sent don't it get- to collections, even though I was paying them, even though I was paying them. More than what we had agreed upon. They still sent it to collections. While you're going through treatment? While I was going through chemo. Isn't that like some yeah. violation of some like ethical... There's no like, ethics. Moral. I know there's no ethics. In the billing department, there's I know, no ethics. I know there's no ethics, but at the same damn time, like a cancer treatment, like... Yeah. That's insane. It's like why I want to like move. I'm working on my citizenship. Where, do you, where are you? Italy. Italy. Well, I'm, that's yeah. the only one I'm eligible for. Okay. Like, I'm automatically like granted it. So, okay, well then, yes. So I'm just like getting my passport. I'm just like applying mm. for my passport. How can we come with you? You have to marry I mean, me. <laughs> okay. <That's> like, <laughs> Do they recognize uh, same-sex mm-hmm. marriages in Italy now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they're majority gonna be, of Europe. They're going to be right? like, oh, the- Emily only wants her green card. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's like 90 Day Fiance, which I was watching before coming here. <laughs> but yeah. What about polygamy? Can you have more than one wife? I'm sure. Okay. But no, I don't know legally, but like we can figure it okay. out. Okay. 
We can just make it a paper just, thing. And she like, can just call herself a serial divorcee. <laughs> I marry, I, I divorce. That. I marry, I divorce. I don't know. I would love that. I can't be. I can't be satisfied with just one woman, <laughs> just one man. It's I, very I, Italian of I want you, them really. All. Yeah. I want them all. Yeah. Um, well, I was listening to a lot of your music, and I note this weekend, um, and you sing in every language. It seems. I wish. No, yeah, uh, I, I sing in English. Um, Sicilian and Spanish, some Italian. Yeah, and it's beautiful. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank I you. am. Do you have Spanish heritage as well? Mm-mm. Okay. Just- no. Everyone thinks I'm like Afro Latina, and like I've had a bunch of like girls come up to me after our concert. They're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for like representing us and like, you know, as like seeing a fellow Afro Latina up there, you know, you're just giving me so much strength. And I'm like, oh my God, honey, I'm so sorry. I mean, I don't <laughs> want to crush your dreams, but I'm so not Afro Latina. I just speak Spanish. No, I'm, I'm, I'm black and Italian. And they're like, awesome. And so they just like <laughs> look at me completely differently. But um, yeah, no, no Latin heritage or Spanish or mm-hmm. any of that. And so how many languages do you speak other than sing? Do you speak? So I speak Spanish and Italian and English. Like, so fluently. I'm learning. Yeah. So my, so my grandparents taught me like the Sicilian dialect. That's what mm-hmm. we would talk in. Um, and so, you know, when I went to college, I met a bunch of like Italian people and like, we were like a friend group and stuff. They're like, why are you talking like that? Yeah. He's like, what's your last name? I was like, it's a Fudo. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like you're okay. So you're saying like that. Cause you kind of sound like older, you know, cause it's like mm-hmm. a, it's a dialect that's not very, it's not used for uh, real okay. anymore. Only like by older It's people. not used anymore? No. I don't think so. No. Like when I go there, like it's. There's like certain words that are completely different. I would, I would give us an to, example of like, you know, a word that in Italian is one way versus Sicilian. So just to understand the scope of difference. Like ritorna, in is it Italian for return or come back? Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, ritornu. Oh, okay. So like. It's it's a weird like the the endings are oos are u's okay in Sicilian more than the the o's in Italian and there's some j's in there too which is super weird so it's like kind of like Eastern European you know what I mean oh. like where they use like if I was saying Sonia like Sonia Morgan from uh, Real Housewives of New York <laughs> um, like Sonia is spelled with S O N J A for the mm-hmm. y sound. We have some of that, like ayornu to like wake. Oh, that Ay- does have an Eastern A J or O R N U. So yeah, it's weird. It's really so. Weird. How would you say buongiorno? Buongiorno. Buongiorno. The same. No, mm-hmm. no change there. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's the. How do you say ciao? Ciao. ciao. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a note to it, but you know, yeah, it's like some some words I completely learned differently. But I have been making an effort to watch more Italian, exclusively Italian, like shows and film and, you know, practice that more and read mm-hmm. some of that too, because I don't want to be, you know, even though it's cute, having that dialect is cute and everything, but, you know, I want to be able to like sound like everybody else, you know, like of today. Fair enough. That's fantastic. Yeah. That <laughs> really is. So I'm, I'm still working on it because I'm not talking with my friends every day. So you there. were bilingual at growing up as a child. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. yeah. I mean, English is my first language. Okay. Um, and whenever I went to my grandparents' house, I would just like 
try to talk to them as yeah. as much as possible. It's like it seemed like, you know, I kind of felt like they regretted not making their children learn. Because, mm-hmm. you know, at that well, time in the 60s, you want to be as American as possible. You and don't didn't want- you say there were also at that time very – there were laws? Yeah. There's like preventing? Mm-hmm. That is – Yeah, America's so effed. Like, you know, it's they're so xenophobic and it's hilarious mm-hmm. because um, it's it's just like hilarious because like people will tell like black people go back to Africa. Right. It's like, bitch, we've been here longer than you probably. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> – but yeah, it's um I was so happy that they, you know, wanted to take the time with me. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was little, my grandpa really he spoke French as well. Oh. And he was trying to make me learn French. I just can't do that. So um so they're like, Okay, we're gonna do it. we're just gonna do it. It's teach a you totally different sound. Like the the way your yeah. mouth and tongue and all well, of that. Because he was in World different. War Two, so he had to like learn that stuff mm. um as like a teenager. Just oh, crazy. Wow. Um But he but, was in Italy. He was he he fought with right. the Italians. Mm-hmm. Right, he There's was Mussolini over there. Oh man! And then he also saw Hitler. Crazy shit! Wow! Crazy God. shit! When he, yeah, he was in, he went to France. That's where he saw Hitler. It's crazy. Wow! It's crazy. I think about this because you know, like when I was younger, I always wanted like a younger mom, younger parents. Because mm-hmm. like my best friends, like their parents were like in their thirties, like when we were like. Five and like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. growing yeah. up and shit. And I'm like, now, oh my god, thirty. Like that sounds like a nightmare. I can't imagine like having a kid right now for my kid to be five and then yeah. like I'm thirty. <laughs> anyway, um, but I am like super fortunate because my mom had me when she was 43. I'm her last. I'm both my parents' last kid, but um, and my dad was 50. Wow. And I know. And um, but then like his grand or my grandparents, his parents were sharecroppers, and then my. My grandparents on my mom's side, immigrants from Italy and or Sicily, and you know it's you just had, like super you had, crazy you had to like think about firsthand yeah. stories. Yes. You know, you had yeah. firsthand oral history that it's was coming crazy. to you. It's crazy because, like, yeah, my dad got hosed by the police and like then became one, then became a police officer. Yeah, like a nightmare, wow. a sheriff in um, in San Diego when he wasn't deployed in the military. So he's a sniper in what? the in the Marines, like cuckoo, yeah. But wow. <laughs> but yeah, I know your like dad's crazy. a huge fan of our show. So if you oh want to give God. him a shout out, <laughs> no, absolutely not. But um, yeah, and like just having old parents is like kind of dope at this yeah. point because of you know them telling me, at least my mom telling me how this is just like repeating. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, of course. Scary, yeah. Like yeah. how it's repeating and just mm-hmm. like shit, same shit, different day. You know what I mean? Like as far as this, these protests. So how is this influencing your music? This time mm-hmm. and having access to this amazing history and heritage. Like, does that inspire um, the songs that you're writing or the yeah, energy absolutely. behind your music? Like, absolutely, because I was fortunate to have older parents and that they could introduce me to artists that a lot of my peers don't know. Um, And, you know, I was able to listen to these amazing records. Like, my dad had an amazing record collection. And I was able to listen to it and, you know, learn from, like, what is happening and who these people are and what this song actually means. Like, Marvin Gaye's song, like, what's going on in my my 10-year-old brain is like, okay, it's just like a love song or something. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Right. Everything a love song. And my dad explained to me, I'm like, this shit happened. 
And, you know, it's yeah. so, it's, um, it's very influential. And, you know, I think I pull from all these artists that they introduced me to, like my what mom. What are some pivotal ones for you? I would say Motown was the main genre, I think, that brought my parents together, to be honest. And, you know, because, like, my mom was, like, into, like, classic rock, you know, folk mm-hmm. music and um, symphonic music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my dad was more into blues, jazz, and, um, like, yeah, I would say rock, but a little bit of rock and, like, Latin music. And then, but what brought them together was the Motown. And I think that's because, like, Motown is that genre that just brings everybody together. Mm-hmm. It's fucking yeah. happy while talking about real shit. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, I think that was the, you know, the Temptations of Horace Hops, the Supreme. Right. All of these fabulous, Smokey Robinson. Right. All these fabulous, fabulous artists singing their asses off dancing their asses off while talking about what is real, happening th- real, yeah, issues. right now. It's very, very, yeah. it's very important because my my parents would talk about what they were talking about. It they, wasn't just They put music. it in context for you. Absolutely, mm-hmm. because I didn't know, like, yeah. what's a protest? I don't know what that means, like, you know, mm-hmm. when I, at that age. So um, I remember discovering Nina Simone mm-hmm. um, and... You know, hearing her lyrics, like actually listening to her music, um, and she's an amazing. Nina Simone, you know, was classically trained pianist, studied Juilliard, and then of course, you know, jazz, right? And so, but I, I, her, the first album that I had of hers that has Backlash Blues mm-hmm. on it was so powerful for me because when I, was when I discovered her, I was still living in Peoria, Illinois. I was still very my world perspective, my perspective on um, just just you know we've talked about this on other shows, mm-hmm. like just other social dynamics mm-hmm. was very limited there. Mm-hmm. I, I was not exposed to what I've been exposed to by coming to St. Louis, and so by hearing that song and she's talking about you know um you know America and white people building their lives off of the black off of the back of black people mm. and i found it i just i listened to it over and over and i started thinking about it and it really kind of led me down this train of trying to understand what really happened like with these areas these neighborhoods that you know were kind of intentionally segregated and and the lack of, you know, financial support that they'd get for, you know, refinancing homes and buying in homes. It's so gross areas and, and it's all so this stuff. deliberate. It yeah. is. All you learn about it. And I didn't, that's not something that we were taught yeah, we or mm-hmm. talked about. And yeah. it was really the first time that I started asking questions about that. It was powerful because for me. Of, because of your because exposure of, to her. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And because she was taking this moment to turn beautiful music into a poignant statement about, you know, about the reality mm-hmm. for a lot of people and I think in our like, United States. Yeah. I love that you bring her up because she was one of my main influences being a black woman performer mm-hmm. 
and being classically trained and then writing her own songs. That was super inspiring to me mm-hmm. because, yeah, I love to play, like, dead white guy music. I love it. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I love Tchaikovsky. I love Rachmaninoff. I love all those girls. But <laughs> what, you know, it was still limiting, you know, mm-hmm. because you can only do so much with, you know, those notes on the page that you're reading. And you can only make it your own so much, mm-hmm. you know? So she was super inspiring to me once I found out that she was a classically trained pianist mm-hmm. and then she was able to write her own songs, like, yeah, and actually say something with those songs, too, right. and reach so many people that don't look like her, too, mm-hmm. and, you know, go to Paris and, you know, go to Europe, go to Sweden, Switzerland, and, you know, educate these people overseas, you know, mm-hmm. through her music. It's super inspiring to me. Well, I, um, you know, not as, uh, I don't have the breadth of education, music education as you and Emily have, but my understanding is, is that music has often been the way that protest can happen, even in the 60s, in the folk oh, music absolutely. and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's the only way that we can express ourselves when we're, when everything else is coming, where you feel your world is falling apart or you don't know how you're going to stand up or, 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 you know, rise up to fight one more day, right? And then you hear the song that the artist has written about the time mm-hmm. and, and, you, and you identify and you're inspired and, and you, keep, you keep, keep going to work hard to attain that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that hopefully through our... Corona times, our Donald times, that I'm I'm hoping more protest music happens. More mm. more artists will take what we've all experiencing and put it into something we can we can um, not the words not really enjoy, but um, um, honor. kind of encapsulate mm-hmm. encapsulate, time. but also yeah. be like yeah that. The way that she's described it is exactly how I felt, and I'm mm-hmm. and I, I'm so grateful that 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 came through because I didn't right. know how else to to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. music and art. I mean, think about you know throughout history, the artists that were also you know painting the expression of how they were feeling of oppression or you know various various issues that. At the time that they were creating, it, it is a it's, powerful it's a reflection way. of time. It's That's almost it's almost like it's, sort of like subversive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see that you see that little you know in that painting. You know what that painting's mm-hmm. really about. You know, <laughs> right? Like, oh, now I get it. You exactly. Know? Um, you listen to the music. You know what it's really about, mm-hmm. and you know it can't be it can't be taken away. You know, if, if it's it's underground in mm-hmm. a way. You know, it's yeah, and it links everybody. I mean, music and art are are. Music is art, you know. Mm-hmm. It is. It's human. A, it's, it's universal. A very human. It's a universal language. Right. Mm-hmm. There's you know? this um, a musician out of I don't remember what part of Africa. His name is Timani Daibati. Mm. Oh my god, I love his music. It sounds very happy when mm-hmm. you listen to it, but when you read the translation of the lyrics, mm-hmm. it's all really you know talking about. You know about the struggles, the the mm-hmm. war, the um, struggle with the AIDS mm-hmm. um, epidemic, and you know just all of this. It's it's 
he's doing that very thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's educating the world mm-hmm. on these massive issues, but making it in a, putting it out there in an approachable way. Right. Well, you have to, mm-hmm. because if it's, unfortunately, if it's too avant-garde or mm-hmm. too dark, dark or mm-hmm. too like, wait a second, that doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard before. And then people won't listen to it. But, right. you know, the masters are able to take that, uh, that genre. We're like, you know, jumping around dancing right? Yeah. and then put the words in there. I mean, this just reminded me of that song, Happy Mondays. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, I do. No. But that's about like. School shootings. Yeah. Oh, God. And I didn't even, like, realize it as I'm in my car and I'm singing along to it. And it's like, wow, oh, wait. I don't but think I, I knew that. If I listen to the lyrics, it's about school shootings. Oh, my Who's God. This, the band is Happy Mondays. Oh. Um, I'll have to look on our break, you know, what the what the yeah. name of that one song was. But it, t- it, it took me a quick minute. And then I was like, oh, this isn't, I mean, yeah. the beat, I want to dance to it. But, um, yeah, the message in there isn't quite. Match the beat. Do you have but any songs like that where it's like, okay, the beat is one thing, but there's an inner beat to this that's different? I'm trying to think. I don't think I've been able to do that yet. Yeah. I love when artists do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like th- it's, a, it's a whole juxtaposition. Yeah, but I don't think I, I think your song alone is probably the pretty closest thing close to that. Um, because yeah, actually, now that you say it, you know my music more than well, I, I do. do. You know, I only, I only, I only, you know, like did my research this weekend, making Maybe. sure I was prepared. Yeah, yeah I yeah. would say that song is the closest um, yeah. thing. But as far as like, I worked with a producer on that EP, so like okay. he kind of um, presented me with the the beats and all the stuff that I could not do mm-hmm. ever. Um, we collaborated collaborated in that way, but. As far as like writing the music and then writing the lyrics as well, I don't think I have that. What mm. is your process? Do you usually start with lyrics or do you start with the with the melody or with the yeah that? Actual- it's changed over time, mm. honestly. Um, I always used to, I always wrote. I was always a writer, and that was encouraged in my family. You know, write out your feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, and and put it into a poem or something. I was like, okay. Um, and so I just like had all these poems and stuff um, from when I was very little, and I was like asking, and my dad would, you know, start conversations with me, like listening to people and like different jazz composers, and being like, "Do you think they wrote the lyrics first or the music first? I was like, "I don't know. I feel like it'd be easier to write the words." And so that's what I would, I used to do early on in my songwriting, mm-hmm. um, but now it's been the opposite. Mm-hmm. I've you know, made, you know, I've played some chords and jammed over some things with my band and that has created the skeleton of the song, of the music part. And then later on, I try to fit in the words. I like that idea. I mean, I think there are just times where your feelings don't necessarily have words. And I think that that's when music can really help, help maybe create a dialogue for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's been interesting because... I usually am like a very alone, you know, writer. I I write by myself. I don't really collaborate with anyone. But this next record, it's only collaboration. Oh, exciting. With with my band. So I am really looking forward to that and how seeing how I can grow as a as a writer with them. 
Are you in the recording process of that new album? I wish we were. Oh yeah. my God. Is it, is it I a wish COVID we were. Thing? Yes. Yeah. yes. Oh my God. Miss Rona is out here trying to snatch our wigs. <laughs> but yeah, she's trying to make us look so ugly. But no, I wish I was. Um, usually our label flies us out to San Francisco to record in their facility and they're in control and they have their producers, they have their engineers, and everybody's so nice there. Um, but we yeah, you're with Empire, is that mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. a serious label. Yeah, I love a lot of people on that label, like Snoop Dogg. I was gonna like say like Kendrick Snoop Lamar. is on that label. Yeah. Like that's kind of a that's a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And they're super, super nice. I get full artistic control. Nice. Um, besides obviously like recording, like mm-hmm. you know, flying out at to home. San Francisco. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. It's hard. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um it's first world problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, it's famous musician problems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. But yeah, so we're not able to do that right now, but I think we're going to figure out something oh. soon. Yeah, because we can't just be sitting on all this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, waiting for there to be better policy. Well, right. <laughs> and and it's, I mean, people are going to be hungry. They're going to continue to, serve, they're going to need, yeah. they're going to need the music. Um, so would you be interested in playing a little, playing a little bit of your music to, as we go into a break here and we can get some more wine and... Yeah. Uh, Will you share with us what you're going to perform first for us? So I'm going to perform one of my songs off of my latest record, Saint Lost, and this song is called Adam Lee. Picking up sea glass, don't cut your feet. When you were young, did you ask about girls or play with the boys who didn't look a thing like you? Like being bugs or play ball in the street in your car. Were you allowed to play on the lawn or did you mess up your mama's Adam Lee Adam Lee 
Picking up sequins, don't cut your feet. That is lovely. Thank you. Mistaken for someone who wasn't making you happy. Don't think about coming to my bed. I meant every word I said didn't occur to me that I wasn't making you happy. Wasn't making you happy. Could I forget where I came from? You got me mistaken for someone who wasn't making you happy. Don't think about coming to my bed. I meant every word I said didn't occur to me. I wasn't making you happy now. I wasn't making you happy. I wasn't making you happy now. I wasn't making you happy yet. I wasn't making you happy now. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. Thank you. That is beautiful, beautiful Thank Tanina. You so much. We are truly honored to have you uh, sharing your music with us, oh, you know, right here in the studio. Of course, of course. And I um I was I, I held back. I didn't want I, I let you just sing your own song. I didn't try to <laughs> sing along with you. So <laughs> next you time know. you can sing along. I don't care. <laughs> I'm a very good backup dancer too. Oh, I love that. Like, I you need know, some backup dancers. You know, if you uh, your live. next tour that you do around Europe, I was definitely doing some air cello mm. of what I thought I could do this in backup. Yeah, we love a good air cello. I've done it many a time. Yeah. Also, yeah. air violin because I'm a closet uh, oh, violin player. I see. Yeah, that surprises me. I'm a closet it violinist. Does. What all the what what instruments do you play? What all? I just play guitar and and bass, but like. I, in my in my soul, uh-huh. I'm a violinist as well, and wow. I think that's because my sister played 
And I just always thought it was so beautiful. It was so elegant. It's so, like, dainty and so mm. cute. Like, you, like, whip your hair back and forth, you know? It's such a different persona, though. Like, you know, the violin, it's, you know, the the, the higher sounds, mm-hmm. right? That, it, to me, equates to energy and right mm. where the bass which you know it's you play so, so well it's sultry and inviting and it's like, so laid back it's in, yeah it's, it's in a the different back. energy You're, it's not about you so you how know. did you pick the bass i wanted to play jaws first of all <laughs> I wanted to play, speaking of jaws speaking sharks, of sharks. <laughs> it's, it's it was, all coming was it part, back part of your therapy it's, to get over sharks absolutely no <laughs> i wanted to play jaws i was like what dad what instrument is that he's like it's the bass I was like, I'm going to play that. He's like, no, you're not. You're going to play the violin like your sister. I was like, okay. And then at school, I just like circled bass. Because <laughs> I knew she was always going to be better than me, you know. And I didn't want the smoke. I didn't want the competition with her. Mm. You know, she was amazing at her And instrument. does she still play? No. Oh. She um, it's too bad. Yeah, she's a social worker. Okay. Um, so How cool would that be to do like a collaboration things. with her, you know? It would be, I don't know, like... <laughs> It would be really, really interesting to collab with my fam. Yeah, Um, because you come from a musical family, I know, we're super musical, and it's so important in our family. It would be like a a really odd version of the Partridge family. Oh, I love that. Or (laughs) the Jacksons (laughs) without the abuse, hopefully. But um, uh, hopefully you're a little older now. You yeah, can, you can like, you know, say no to it, you know. Yeah, so I was at my brother's... um, Last month or a couple months ago in Santa Monica, I went to visit him and his partner, and we jammed for the first time together, and he's a drummer. So it was really, really fun, and it was just like, you know, he was like all shy about it and all weird at first, but then, you know, he loosened up, and it was was a really cool experience. I want to do it again with the whole fam. Your dad went to Juilliard, right? He got into Juilliard, but okay. he had to go to Vietnam instead. Oh, oh my. <laughs> That's fun. Oh, to fight for democracy around the world so that we could, you know, have it democracy safe here for, at home. Yeah, for democracy for, for white people, uh, <laughs> for white men. And yeah, that's yeah. just the thing that like fucks me up, you know, is like the, the demographics of who we're sent mm-hmm. and who like still now go to these wars, mm-hmm. um, you know. Like indigenous people, Mexican or Latino people, and then black people are the majority of people that were sent over, you know. And still today, it's like yeah. low income families, you know, our military families, and, you know, it's fucked up. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so he couldn't pursue his musical dreams oh. and uh, went to Vietnam instead. But he was able to impart his love of music with his kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And support you in your dream. Right, maybe, uh, and kind of in, in like a weird, in a way. really roundabout way. <laughs> we, you know, since he is our number one fan of L-O-L. this podcast, oh my God, that is so funny. <laughs> right. It's like I don't even like know. Like that, that'd be so weird. Like, not, especially like not talking to him for like a decade and a half oh. or something, and then like finding out, like, like him hey, sending you email. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's what's gonna make him call me. No, um. so you you don't you. You don't, have not talked to your dad for a decade and no, a half. No, la- well, no, okay. it's a decade. Last okay, time I saw so, him when I was fourteen, so, so ten years ago. Uh, do you care to share? No, I'm an open book. Okay, so what has happened where you don't have a 
relation, an active relationship with him right now. Yeah. So um, I still love my dad. will always love him. And I feel like, um, you know, he loved me in but he, how he knew how to love, um, which, you know, some people could interpret as not being love. And that's not how they want to be loved. Um, but, you know, my dad was my best friend uh, growing up. He, you know, I wanted to be in the military just like him. I wanted, you know, mm. um, travel the world just like him. I wanted to speak as many languages as him, you know, play like him. Yeah. You know, we were best friends. Um, and, you know, uh, he was deployed to Kosovo. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, when, so that was like when I was in elementary school or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, he was gone for like a couple of years. And then when he came back, he was just like a completely different, you know, da- he wasn't my dad anymore, you know. Sure. And I, um, and that for me was the moment, like I remember like throwing out the rest of my like dinner or whatever. And then I'm freaking out. Being like, there's kids in Kosovo, you know, that would love to be where you are, and, and you're gonna throw it. And it like made me, you know, eat the shit out the trash. You know what I mean? Oh, like wow, crazy, just like crazy shit, you know? Yeah. And um, I didn't understand at the time, so I was just like so scared and just like so fearful, and um, like I felt like I lost my best friend. And um, but like as I grew up and being in therapy for like ever, I um, learned, you know. Not make not to make excuses for like any abusive behavior, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm so anti-military. Obviously, we're always going to have one, mm-hmm. but you know, the way that we train people to not have their identity, to strip themselves of their mm-hmm. identity, and to become machines, to to enact these war crimes right. on you know on innocent people, you know, in different countries. Um, I just. I feel like it is a product of, you know, what the military is. He became a product of that. Yeah. And to succeed in that, you have to to succeed in the in the military, you have to become a machine. You have to right. not have empathy anymore. It feels like to and that's my perspective. And then and then how do you get that back? If if you were trained to strip that away so that you could you could you could function mm-hmm. in these extremely terrible situations. Mm-hmm. Then when you're supposed to resubmerge into normal society and family exactly. life again, how do you turn that switch off? And exactly. Then, and I, that's why yeah. I wish there was like adequate rehabilitation. And there's not. For coming into back into this bitch, especially well, after Vietnam. Like, you know, um, he told me that was hard for him and stuff. He was enlisted, I am. I'm assuming yeah. he was enlisted. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So in yeah. So coming was back, he marine or army? Marine. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think it was. It's weird because because when he was drafted, I guess enlisted, he um, was Air Force. I think they just put him in there. I don't know how that works. I don't. Okay. I don't mm-hmm. know how any of this shit works. But then, like in my life, he was a marine. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he was like a sergeant. Yeah. I. Right. Special forces. I don't fucking know. But like, um, yeah, so that was his thing. But yeah, there's no rehabilitation. And especially like macho, black guy from the South, you're not going to be open to therapy, you know, and at that time. What's interesting is that um, the, 
The effects of conflict, the effects of war, it's something that has been around since war. Mm -hmm. And we even, you know, uh, discovered uh, during during this podcast, uh, we were making, you know, tongue in cheek about it on one of our time of the month shows about, you know, back in the fifties, when um, when women were being counseled to meet your husband at the mm-hmm. door with a drink, make sure the kids are the kids yeah. are are taken care of. It was and 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 dinners on the table. It was actually a coping mechanism because you didn't know what war, right? What you were getting, what that husband was going to be walking through the door mm-hmm. with, what maybe PTSD, which we didn't say PTSD, right? Yeah. And that, yeah. that was the, that was the effects of the Korean War at that point mm-hmm. in time, right? So we've we have as women have been trying to, um, and I'm speaking in a generality here. Mm-hmm. I know every there, there's always unique different circumstances, but we've been trying to cope with. With those effects of war and those effects of trauma, mm-hmm. and you know, PTSD is something that, unless treated, doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go away, and it doesn't go away with treatment. It just is becomes manageable, becomes recognizable. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that you, as a you know, fourteen year old girl saw your dad not be who you remembered your dad mm-hmm. was. Um, and I'm sorry that that has impacted your relationship today because mm-hmm. because of his inability to even know that he has an issue. Because sometimes right. they don't know. They don't. Well, they don't. They're so in denial. And it's like right. it's just so normalized, you know, mm-hmm. so scary to become this machine. Yeah. It's like pawn in somebody else's. It is. It is, Same. and and it's um, and we do a tremendous disservice to our veterans mm-hmm. when we ignore the long lasting effects of conflict and war, and we've sent them to places where they've seen things that mm-hmm. you and I would never want to mm-hmm. ever see in our lifetime, and that is lingering. You know, right. we can be affected by a movie called Jaws, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Literally. <laughs> Right, that's literally, and we didn't actually go into a war zone and see the horrors Mm -hmm. of war. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, not not I'm not making excuses or anything like that. I'm just trying to put like a little level of explanation with it, and hopefully, because you like you said, we're always going to have a military. I'm, I have hope that because of the conversation today and the and the awareness and the and the efforts and the focus, because we have too we know you know too many of our veterans that have come back from Afghanistan, mm-hmm. you know they're they they're they're dying by suicide. Oh, homeless! All these kind of homeless. A lot of the homeless it's people. So ridiculous! You know? It's ridiculous. You yeah. know, so I'm I'm hopeful that because there are because there's focus and there's light on it that. Things will change for mm-hmm. current veterans and future veterans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so, do you know where your dad is? Do you have like, are you very disconnected, or are you? Yeah. yeah, you are. I don't. I don't know. You know, I don't know if he's still living. You know, really. really? I yeah. Well, like my mom said, like I would get like some you know notification about that in the mail from I don't know who. Like maybe. Like the military or the sheriff's department, I don't know, like what, where he's okay. sort of something. But like, um, I mean, when I, 
Do you ever look for him on Facebook or anything like that? I can't do that. I'm too unstable. Like I'll have a freak out. So yeah, I have um four siblings on on his side and three. And are any of them? I don't think so, no, no. because like he was so yeah, he I learned um from one of my sisters on their side. I don't talk to any of them today, but like, you know, we're friends on Facebook, but we don't talk or anything. Um, a couple of them. And um I learned that he was super abusive to them as well. Um we just had like different lives, you know, we're I'm like way younger than You're them the youngest, and yeah. and you know, we didn't live together, we weren't raised together, you know. And um so I'm sure like his uh, his abuse was going to come out like whether he was, you know, went to Kosovo deployed in Kosovo right. or not, you know, during my him being my my dad. When you talk about your abuse um was it? Do you mind? I mean, you say you're not. I know. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, yeah I no, ask the question. Um, and of course, if you get uncomfortable, please, mm-hmm. it's fine. Um, you, uh, physical, verbal, mm-hmm. all of it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was very much um, physical, and then you know he wasn't really verbally abusive, which is like weird because like physically abusive, yeah. how can you not be ver- verbally abusive? But like, um, yeah, he's you know he would like just like. You know, hit me hella hard, and you know, which was like, and this is your best friend. Yeah, right? this is this is post post war, so right. he, was, he was no longer my best friend. So he came back when I was like, How confusing. in um, so I think he was he was gone when I was in first grade. Came back in third grade, mm. third grade or fourth grade, and then we then he was going to go to Iraq, um, but I don't think he ever made it there because his he had heart disease, and so um, which he didn't believe in. So he's like anti medication, you know. Macho shithead. Um, <laughs> but um, so he couldn't go. Then I was like hoping, I remember hoping and like praying that he would go to Iraq. Like, please go. Like, I don't want you here no more. But yeah, he would, um, you know, make me stand outside in the snow, like bare feet, you know, stand out there for like 30 minutes to an hour, you know, because I did something wrong. Um, but, you know, it was just like for dumb shit, you know. And it's like very normalized though in like our community. Like I would say, like the black community of like you know hitting your kids, you know mm-hmm. spanking or something like. So that never felt. I never felt like it was wrong. You know, I right. knew. Well, it you hurt. didn't know any better, right? And I knew it hurt. You know, and um, but it wasn't until like I grew up and I was like looking back and then like going to therapy and like what sucks is like you know my mom being in that position, her being you know abused woman herself. And you know? did you see that happening? To your mom also? I saw it, yeah, a, a couple of times yeah. when I was older, old enough to, like, understand, like, what was happening. But my mom was, like, a hardworking bitch. Like, she was working 12-hour shifts at SLU ER, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so I was, I would hate to be left alone with him because, of course. you know. The fear. Yeah. I was so scared. I would just, like, want my mom to come back because, like. You know, it was less when she was around, you know, and I would tell her and she would always believe me and stuff. So she never didn't believe me. But she was in such a hard position because, you know, she had to go to work. Was she afraid of him? Mm -hmm. Afraid that, yeah, okay. She was afraid of him, but, you know, she would, you know, stand up for herself sometimes and, and, you know, but it's just like it's not going to end well. they, They eventually divorced. Yeah, so when you were fourteen, um, or yeah, when I was fourteen, we have a uh, order of protection against him. Okay, so um, like at my, 
uh, eighth grade graduation and my confirmation. It was the same night. Um, big night for me. <laughs> my my peak. But, um, <laughs> no, but like, yeah, so like that night he just like whipped out one of his guns and, oh. you know, like he had fucking AKs and shit in the garage and like machetes and crazy shit from war. I'm oh just like, God. how is this shit passed TSA? Like, I think because yeah. like he was such a high ranking you know, yeah. member of the military, like you can do whatever the fuck you want, you yeah. know. And yeah. so, long story long, he, um, yeah, he was like shooting up the house or the his car, and then um, was he, he also? Did he also abuse alcohol? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't even like. Say okay. That. Yeah, he was a major alcoholic. Okay. Um, and that was, I think, he was an alcoholic for the majority of his life. So like. When he was a teenager, Even because pre pre military, pre military, yeah, um, because you know, like his family was, and it runs in alcoholism runs in my family really deep, and other addictions. So, um, yeah, he was an alcoholic, and he would drink all the time. And I remember like him picking me up like from school, like drunk, mm-hmm. like blacked, but he was high functioning, you know, because you know he would pour it in his coffee with Jim Beam and his coffee, wow. and, like. To be driving with his coffee, but like that fucker could like drive and fool anybody. But like I remember like smelling something weird in the car. I'm like, yeah. why does it smell like that? It smells like the doctor's office, like something like you put on my skin <laughs> right. or something. Like I smell some some nasty shit. It don't smell like coffee. He's like, you can't drink that. Don't have any. And he would make me my own coffee. You know, my own decaf coffee because I wanted to be like him. But um, right. but yeah. Um, so you're just shooting up cars he, with his guns. <laughs> literally. Yeah. And then he got— your, You've just been confirmed by— I you know, know. And the, then the, like, the church. this is what happens. You're going to die like Jesus. <laughs> no. And you're like, thank but, God I have my confirmation name. I know. And I can go right to heaven because right I'm a soldier heaven. of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> no, but— um, At what yeah. point did you start get, getting um, therapy? I was in therapy. My mom put me in that thing when I was like— Eight years old oh, or something, because okay. like I was, yeah. I was an evil little demon, you know. I just, I, <laughs> I would, you know, bite the shit out of kids, and it, I would, I would smack the shit out of people. I would hit people. You're, pull. You're, I literally saw. I was just acting on what I saw at home, yeah. yeah. You know, and you know, I was so angry. I was yeah. so angry all the time. Um, I just wanted my parents to be something that they weren't. You were crushed you know? because your dad and your parents, like you were let down. Yeah, I was so let down. And then also yeah. I didn't have, you know, a dad during these times too because he was in Kosovo and, um, you know, yeah. I had to, I didn't have anyone, you know, talk to really other than like my mom I is like one of my best friends. I love my mom. But, you know, he was just, my best friend at that time. Yeah. So it wasn't the same. And I missed him so much, and I would just, like, you know, act out. And then even when he came back home, mm-hmm. I was still acting out, like, fighting everybody. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of anger issues. But, like, we got that um, order of protection, and I talked to him maybe two times after that mm-hmm. um, in high school, my freshman year of high school, and he sent me, like, $1,000. And then he says Nothing else. Well, I think Mm-mm. your wow. therapy must be working wonders because you definitely don't – um, exude any sort of energy of anger. And it's really wonderful to watch you perform because I feel like we see the the full authentic you when you're mm. performing. And I see just this really like love and peacefulness on your face that is really tremendous. Thank you. And I think that that's, that's, who, that's it. That's, that's, the, that's the real Tonina. Mm. I try to exude that, 
you know, because I feel like that's what my mom is, you know. Mm. I feel like that's all she does. Talk about a saint. This bitch is like, what's like the the closest thing to a nun but without being a nun? Are y'all Catholic? I don't know. I'm just yeah, I was raised Catholic. <laughs> okay, I'm assuming, sorry. Yeah. I don't know. She's like a, in the lady order, like okay. order lady oh. something. But yeah. The no. sodality. The yes, lady yes, sodality. Yes, she's the lady sodality. <laughs> she goes to her little dinners monthly. Yeah. It's hilarious. Aww. But no, but that's who that's who she is. Mm-hmm. And so she's like a huge inspiration so to f- me. And just being just fucking nice to people. Yeah. Well, it would I would you know, I'm not a therapist. I just play one on my podcast <laughs> with Emily here. I, I would think that faith was how your mom probably coped with a lot of the situations that she was put in mm-hmm. with, you know, the wow, marriage to your yeah. dad, Absolutely. the abuse and stuff like that. And then maybe you're coping after you realize that biting and punching and kicking in people in grade school wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Was You got into music. You know, I agree. And I, I felt mean, like that was my, that was my your, safe zone, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it's always been my safe zone, my practice room. Cause like he would never bother me oh. when I was in there. He would, he would, he would he respect space. He respected the space. And I think cause he had spent so many hours in that space himself right. and knew how important that shit was to, for like his own practice. But he, you know, he would, he would never bother me. But, like, when he did, like, pop in to check in, he would, you know, try to help me, which is, like, weird. Because, like, he would say, I mean, he would piss me the fuck off because he'd be like, do it again. It's not good enough. Do it again. It's not good enough. Do it again. It's not good enough. So, um. But he wasn't physically hurting you then. No, I was completely safe. I I feel like my base was, like, my protector. No wonder you you chose the base. I mean, it is a. It's very comforting, honestly. Yeah. It's comforting you hug it. And somebody else. It's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's like, he's my everything, like my base. What's I your mean, base's what? name? Chauncey. Chauncey. Oh. Chauncey. He's um he's from Kansas City. <laughs> okay. Yeah, with a name like that, of course he'd be yeah, from Kansas City. Yeah. Or, or France. Or France. <laughs> he could be from France. But <laughs> yes. no, yeah, Chauncey has always been my my protector, and that's why we have such a close and great relationship. Mm. And so yeah, music has really been my therapy. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's therapeutic for others as well. When yeah. you were um, studying yeah, pre Berkeley, um, your teachers here did they did they know that you would end up where you are? Like, were you getting this like, okay, we need to make sure that you have the training that you need because you're going to go far? Were they aware? I think they were because um, I was so grateful. I'm so grateful to the St. Louis Symphony members, and I'm so grateful mm-hmm. to my um, my the Kirkwood School District Music uh, yeah. oh, organization. Oh, it's a great school. Um, that, it was, yeah, I was music. happy to yeah. go there, and they I had free lessons. You know, I you know I paid some for like the symphony members if I wanted exclusive yeah. like master class or something. Yeah, um, and have and take advantage of those opportunities. But as far as my my weekly lessons, that was all free for me. Nice, and I was. Yeah, and so I think they they must have known, like, how happy it made me and, like, why I would, you know, spend hours after school had ended, you know, in the practice room rather than going home because I wanted mm-hmm. to, like, meet my mom. I wanted to make sure I was coming home when my mom was coming home, you yeah. know, um, so she could be there with me. But, um, yeah, they I think they sensed that and mm-hmm. they knew that. You know, teachers have, like, the good teachers at least have a sense of, of like their kids' home lives. Mm-hmm. And I think they sense that. 
And I think they really wanted to make sure I was good and that I was able to do something that I loved and not have it do anything with money. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we have a connection point there with this, the St. Louis Symphony um, teachers because I, I know that you studied with a, a mutual friend, mm-hmm. Eric, and um, and his wife. You studied yoga with her mm-hmm. and Heidi. Heidi was on our show. Yes, yes she was. Is a friend of ours. And so it's just, I love, it's, that. I love that's something that I do love about St. Louis. The connection. Like, well, and yeah. then you're... One of your besties is Willow, which yeah. is my daughter's bestie from high school. That's so right. if you ever wanted to know what it was like to have a mom that was close in age, I would that's me. <laughs> I could have been your mom, you know. <laughs> so um I mean thankfully you have a mom who's older and can give you lots more wisdom <laughs> right. and, and stories and a stuff like that. But yeah. uh, I think that is such a beautiful thing about uh having older parents is mm-hmm. that well, and I have young parents. My parents are 21 and 22 years older than me, and my mom was so funny. She said the other wow. the other day, she said, she goes, I always thought it was great having kids when I was young, but now we're all getting old together. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and who's going to take care of me, my mom said, because, you know, I'm only 22. One years younger than my mom. I'm like, I guess my kids, kids are right gonna there. take care so of crazy. us. Grandkids are gonna that's be like, busy. <laughs> yeah, that's like one of my siblings to you. It's like 21 yeah. years difference. Oh, between you and your mm-hmm. close, your other sibling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a yeah. couple funny. questions here. <laughs> okay, so I have fangirl questions. So, um, 2018, Obama pick of music on his playlist. What was that like to learn that the president knows who you are and, and you're like top pick of music? Insane. I was like, who told this man who I was? <laughs> um, thank you. Um, it was really, it was surreal. Um, I lost all function in my mm. lower body. Um <laughs> Which meant she got uh, like weak legs, right. not that she peed not on herself. She, right. I peed my bed or anything. No, but um, yeah, I remember like yelling to my roommates. I was like, you guys, is this a joke? And I was like. This is not a very fun it, joke. It's it like, this joke. is not funny. And like, I remember just like oh, falling down the stairs, just, like <laughs> running down um, to my roommates and stuff. So it was super, it was a joyous, it was a joyous moment. Um, and I'm. Which also means Happy. that Michelle Obama knows that who you your are. Music. Michelle and Bo the dog and Sasha Malia. And that is some yeah. late night music for them. I mean, that's kind of exciting, right? I hope they're doing something to it. I think. <laughs> I hope they're doing something to it. That's they're, all I got to say. They're making the world right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. music, you know. If any couple's going to do it, I want it to be that one. Right. To my music. <laughs> Maybe there needs to be a specific ballad just for them. <laughs> I have to write it. Exactly. Keep working on right, it. Right, right. <laughs> and then the other kind of thing that I think is awesome, you know, for a young woman to be able to be on a TED Talk stage, mm-hmm. you know, that has to feel pretty. In- I mean, I don't know. I mean, are you just like, yeah, I'm kind of killing it right now. How are you? <laughs> like, I think these I'm- pivotal <laughs> moments, how are you feeling about it? And do you. I, are you just like, yeah, that's right, or you know, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's it's it, it's all happened. You know, mm-hmm. I am super grateful and honored to have had those 
experiences and learn from them. And, you know, it does give me validation when I feel like quitting sometimes, you know. You feel and like quitting sometimes? Absolutely. Oh, my God. Why? I felt like quitting last week. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? No, I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard when you're in a profession that um, is devalued. You know what I mean? Okay. It's it's only valued when you're at a certain um, at a certain level, and you're you know selling out you know arenas and stuff, and that's when you can make your living. Or if you're you know behind the scenes songwriting or something, and like like a Carol King, yeah, you're just like just churning it out yeah, for other people, exactly. Or like Smokey Robinson, you know. Well, not Smokey, but. Yeah, you know, it's 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 hard being in this game, you know, and that's why, you know, I still have a job and I still, you know, am mm-hmm. applying to jobs, you know, like everybody else. Like I'm not at, you know, the level where I can not, live off right. of it. And that's, you know. That's what's astounding to me. You know, mm-hmm. you have, um, I mean, if you look at your follows on YouTube and, you know, just the amount of people who have listened to your music worldwide, it's a very high, it's millions, right? Right. So, so to think that you have, you have fame, but yet you still need like a day gig. Right. Yeah. That is what is astounding to me. Well, I mean, I just think it like, it's, I want to tell people like, it gives insight into like what the business is, you know, because, Mm. you know, just because you're on these lists and stuff is not doesn't mean anybody's paying you. You know what I mean? Like, sure, you get, you know, more fans and more people knowing your name and stuff, but you know, if they're not they're not paying you. And I and this is also like a unique time because you know you can't tour and <laughs> right. And that's <laughs> so when like you get that's also when you like get paid, like extra right? depressed. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and everybody else in the, in the world right now a little Absolutely. extra depressed. Yeah, which yeah. means we you can't quit. On us. I know, I know. I, I can't. And, you know, I think, like, I do it for my family, honestly. Like, I, my uncle was in um, a plane crash. He was the mm. the drummer for Reba McIntyre. Oh. And um, that, it it crashed in 1993 or something. And so. He perished? Yeah. Everyone on the plane died. And, um, and Reba took a different uh, bus, or took a bus that night, thank God. Yeah. And, like other people um, too. But, you know, like my dad was in charge of the search and recovery for that crash. And then my mom went out there to see where her brother died, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's how they met. They met on like at the death site of my uncle. And then I'm named after him, Tony, Tonina. Oh, Um, so I'm like doing this shit for my uncle. He's no longer here to... I'm sure he's killing it in like the, you know, in the yeah. realm, in the spiritual realm, you know, yeah. of, of music. Um, but he's not on this physical earth, which I'm sure he would love to to be still playing here, you know, with his friends and stuff. So I re- he's like my main inspiration Kinda for channel continuing. Him. Absolutely. I yeah. channel him. Yes. I I feel like we would be good friends, you know, yeah. if we met. I heard he was funny. I heard he can dress. You know, he plays yeah. the drums. I love drummers. Yeah. You know, they're, they're my best friends. They're your so. weak side. Um, <laughs> but she don't have to get into she's it. A, she's a, suddenly she doesn't want to talk about something. Suddenly I can't talk about like, it. Like now, I'm comfortable. <laughs> no comment, please. 
There's no picture. There's no comment. Um, but yeah, so like I do this shit for him for real. Yeah. And I, you're not supposed to do anything for anybody else, but he's the person that I do this shit for. When so. you're when you're like it, thinking it's just too hard to keep going, you mm-hmm. remember all of I'm that. Gonna, I'm gonna at least try. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and it can be hard, but I'm not gonna just like dismiss a gig well you you have you have such a beautiful sound and Mm. your your music is is lovely and i hope that you um continue to play and for us for a long long time uh if you ever ever feel like a low moment you call Emily, you call oh, me. Yes. You know, we, we will, will bring the Prosecco. Yes, Prosecco. We no matter what time of yes. day. I'm usually asleep after 10, but that's my, that's because. Same, me too, girl. <laughs> like, like, I'm Emily's awake, you know. Yeah. You can have the early out. morning crew uh, if you need, here, if you the need late me, night Like crew. 6 a.m., like, you got me, but, yeah. uh, but it, I mean, you know, whatever. I, I think that, uh, you know, we all, we all have our passions, you know, mm-hmm. and we all know when we're doing, when what we're doing is the right thing because how it feels for mm-hmm. all of us, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I you have a you have so much more to say in your songs. You're not mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm. I mean, I believe that you're too. not. You're still the fountain is yeah. not dry, mm-hmm. and I am. So excited. So thankful you came to yeah. talk to us today. Oh, thank you. Guys. So thankful oh you gosh. live in our town. So thankful that you picked up that bass, that you practiced, that you put your music out there, and mm-hmm. um, and that we can... You put your we, heart out there. And we, mm-hmm. can, yeah. we can benefit mm-hmm. from hearing it. Mm-hmm. But I do want all of our listeners to follow Tanina on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's I am Tanina. Go follow her on Spotify. Listen to some stuff. I mean, I know they get like three halves of a cent for every play. <laughs> but, you know, when you go to bed at night, just put on the album. So eventually <laughs> plays. it plays yeah, and play plays it for and plays. Play cat, play it for your dog. Eventually, you know, so maybe she yeah. can get like a dollar from it, <laughs> we love you know. Um, and then uh, you are not working on anything. You're not in production for anything currently, but... But the album is written. The album yeah. is... Mm-hmm. And, and if you follow her on, and I'll let you give all of your socials, then when we're all released from our corona times, mm-hmm. we need you need to go see yeah, Tanina in a to, neighborhood near you. Yeah, or travel to Italy or Spain. <laughs> Come with me. Right, right. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm already, I already have the backup dancer gig on the trip to Italy. Yes, and I need... I <laughs> And I got people. I got people There's in Italy. an open call for... Um, for groupies as well. I mean, I'll bring cello. So. Yes. Oh, Emily. Lumiere will come. Lumiere. Yes. Lumiere. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I, I can bring a, I can bring a, like a, a twang fork. I think I it's, I think fork. it's the, actually it's the wine glass. Is it that way? The wine glass and like yeah. a miscongeniality. <laughs> just lick the finger. No, I probably do the. I'll just like throw it out some. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. I got it. Yeah. What are your, how will people find you? Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at I am Tonina. Um, That's I am and then T-O-N-I-N-A. Oh my God, can I spell my name? T-O-N-I-N-A. You did. You did. You did, right? Okay, okay. I was like, the wine's getting to me a little bit. (laughs) Um, Right. 
And um, yeah, and then on there I'll post any tour information if there's ever a tour. And uh, YouTube, again. oh my and gosh, then, you yeah, you can just stuff. look my yeah, just type my name into YouTube, the Googles, whatever your preferred um, channel of listening yeah. is. Do you think that you would humor us with one more song Absolutely. to close out the show? Okay, I'm gonna give you all one of my country bops. <laughs> okay, fabulous. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> right. And um, tell us a little bit about this piece. So this piece is titled Ma and Paw. It's also on my latest record, Saint Lost. And I wrote the song with um, the idea of my parents in mind and thinking about instead of my dad being the person who was estranged, me being the person oh. who was estranged from my parents and like what that would look like. That's if they an were amazing. Still together. And I was the the one who went away. So. Yeah, it's, it's a great thought stuff. exercise. <laughs> Thank you. Am I dying already dead? Replaying old words upon one shed. I thank him for that tough love, though. He taught me how to fight and how to sew. Am I living or just alive? We're playing old words that my once said. I thank her for the love she gave to me. She taught me how to read and how to sing. I wonder what they're doing right now. Do they love each other the same? Do they claim me as their daughter? I guess I love them anyway. Do they play tunes on the front porch? Sipping on bourbon and sweet tea. What do they say to the neighbor on the left when she asked about me? Do they smile when they see my name when the phone rings? I wonder what they're doing right now. I wonder if they're talking about me. Is Papa sitting in his rocking chair? Is Mama combing out her long gray hair? I wonder what they're doing right now. Do they love each other the same? Do they claim me as their daughter? I guess I love them anyway. I wonder what they're doing right now. I wonder if they're talking about me. Does daddy tuck mom in that night and wipe her tears when she cries? I know I'm off away. I know I'm gonna see y'all someday. I know I'm off away. I know I'm gonna see y'all someday. I know I'm gonna see y'all someday. I love them.